Whew. You can tell I'm a little, little rusty. Hey, welcome back to another exciting episode of Spellstorm Miniatures, the first episode of the year. There it is. I made the decision. It's the first episode of the year. Uh, my name is Jeremiah, uh, and I have a special guest with me, and I'm I'm very excited to have uh, this guest on. Longtime listener, happens to be one of the Patreon supporters, also a, a really significant contributor to our Discord uh, server community that we've got going on. And throughout the last couple of years, we've had a lot of great conversations off mic, and we're finally going to have one on mic. So... Uh, Hans, why don't you say hello and say hello. <laughs> hey, thanks, Jeremiah. I'm glad to be here. My name is Hans. That was a very fancy way of saying I spend a lot of time on the internet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, as one does, you know. <laughs> the last, the last, you know, for a long time, you know, a lot of us work behind computers and a lot of us work from home. And mm -hmm. you have been of those ranks, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So... That's that's where we are. Well, hey, um, so uh, the, I mentioned at the at the intro, first episode of the year. Pretty excited to get us started. I'm excited to have you on as as my first guest of the year. And um, for my listeners, uh, they know that uh, we weren't kind of light, uh, only recording one episode in November, and then uh, didn't actually get anything out in December either. And that was by plan. And so the plan is that now that 2022 is here, that we're going to restart the engine and and uh, put it in gear and hit the gas and and uh, and see where our journey takes us. So, um, but I'd like to keep maybe a similar format and just kind of start at the top and and ask about um, your gaming life right now. What does it look like? Have you played any games lately? Yeah, um, I luckily I have been able to start kind of getting out and playing playing some games. Um, I well, actually, since August, I've been running a Worlds Without Number game. That's a role playing game. It's kind of like D and D if uh, D and D were less Fawford and the Gray Mouse or Fritz Lieber and more Jack Vance Tales of the Dying Earth. So, it kind of leans on that Dying Earth aesthetic and then some of its mechanics and how it deals with spells and stuff. But it's, you know, it's pretty traditional kind of D&D &D stuff, but with some cool tweaks and kind of um, a little more on the OSR side of things. So, yeah. yeah, we've been playing that for like four months now, every uh, twice a month. And um, it's, yeah, it's been great. Been going strong and, and having a really good time doing that. Nice. Um, and I recently started playing 40K. Um, <laughs> you and I, Jeremiah, played a crusade game a few right. weeks ago. For my birthday. Yeah, for your birthday, testing out that system, and that was super fun. I think I've played three games, but only at the like 500 point level. So for 40k, that's pretty much the lowest level you can go. Um, yeah, and it's been it's been super fun. I um, had a moment. So my war gaming history, at least, is kind of I've played a lot of different things, um, but what I've played the most of is War Machine. Um, okay, yeah. So that's kind of where my default in my head goes, just because I played that pretty consistently for like a year. And that was all I played. Um, so I just had a moment in one of my 40K games recently that was kind of interesting where uh, I'm setting up my deployment. Um, and in the deployment zone there, so, so I'm playing orcs. Um, I have like a couple units of boys. And in my deployment zone, there's a crater, which is uh, 
gives you some defense against shooting and reduces your movement if you start in it or move through it. So I was like, well, there's no reason for me to like sit in this on turn one. Um, and I don't want to, you know, get a reduction in movement. So I didn't put anyone in there. My opponent was like, do you want to maybe put like a unit of your boys in there? I'm like, well, it's in my deployment zone. He's like, I can shoot into your deployment zone. <laughs> so for me, that was like a, oh, okay, I'm playing this game now. <laughs> like, I have to like be aware of Space Marine shooting into my deployment zone. This is new. Um, but we had a really good game. But it was just a funny moment for me of like readjusting my expectations of like what can happen in the game, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, that was fun. No, that, that's a good call. I, I think I've expressed similar sentiment. Um, you know, bouncing between games. And one of the struggles that I have is how terrain is handled between War Machine and and 40K. I still haven't mastered the 40K thing yet. So, yeah. That's I, I experienced that also on some level with uh, just even the, the different forces that you we can, that we can field. So for my birthday game, you know, normally I like to do, I like to host a day of games I'll set up several tables in the garage and we'll have snacks and things like that. But I haven't done it in the last couple of years for obvious reasons. And so this year I just wanted a private game, you know, one game. And uh, you agreed to play. And so we got 40K, uh, you know, 25 power level, you know, first crusade game. And uh, it was a lot of fun for me kind of looking at what I wanted to field and then and then going through some of the decision points, whenever there was a table, I rolled on the table mm -hmm. because I like that randomness. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's not how a lot of gamers will game. They want to, you know, min max, take the best opportunity, you know, best thing they have. But like, I've always played D and D and stuff like that with, if there's a random thing, I'm taking the random option mm -hmm. and, and the guys in my D and D group kind of make fun of me for it, but that's <laughs> sort of, that's sort of my rhythm. So, so it was a lot of fun for, you know, for that. And then, and then it was my first time putting Eldar on the table. And so I came away with, with two things from our game. One, Eldar on bikes are fast. Yeah. And two, Eldar aren't very durable. <laughs> <laughs> One of those things you can like look at on paper and, you know, understand, but you can't really understand it until... Yeah, yeah, you're in the middle of the game. Yeah. So in our game, I think I think you had me tabled by three, by turn three? Something like that. Yeah, I think that sounds like, right. Like, yeah. And you know, and I I was doing some cool thing that I saw for tactics of shielding my my uh my uh guardian event uh guardian defenders, you know, with uh you know um with my wave serpent and you were like wave serpent? Nom 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 nom. <laughs> yeah, as soon as those orcs get in melee, it's, it's yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but uh, but yeah, no, being able to shoot farther and and to be able to move, there's all these movement things. Um, there's a lot of flexibility and a lot of fun in the game. So, mm -hmm. yeah, cool. Right on, right on. Yeah, I noticed that when you were when you were, when we were talking, we didn't really do like a a big grand introduction of kind of who you are usually when i have a guest on i you know i get their gaming history and you know and um and then then we kind of get to the main topic but why don't we 
if you don't mind, why don't we pivot to that a little bit? And because I think one of the things that we're, one of the things that you and I are doing that I, maybe I didn't actually say in the, at the top of the introduction is we're going to be doing um, a series uh, of conversations on games. And, and so uh, you and I have a vast experience with games, you know, a lot of different types of games. We're very keen on, on, um, on how rules are written and the relationships between players at the table. Uh, you have created game, a game, at least one game. Um, I have attempted at least one and, you know, and so we're interested in the development of games and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I think when we're going to have this conversation, we're going to have, um, it's going to be, it's going to be very in depth and, and just fun and fruitful, mm -hmm. um, for our listeners. Um, but they, any longtime listener knows me, they may not know you. So if you don't mind, um, what if, what if we got a little bit of history from you on kind of who you are and, and your world in gaming? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, you know, I, I didn't really play games growing up. Not really. I mean, I played video games, you know, like any child of the nineties, I suppose. Um, but I didn't really play tabletop games. Um, never really discovered them. Was kind of discouraged from you know exploring things like Dungeons and Dragons from my my parents who were a little afraid of the you know satanic aspect of of you know a little a little satanic panic hangover, I guess. Yeah. Um, in my childhood, so I didn't really experience that stuff. But then when I went off to college, I remember yeah, like going off to college and coming home and being like seeing the the Dungeons and Dragons 3.5 books at like Barnes and Noble. I was like, I'm buying these. I'm going to figure out what this is. <laughs> I've wanted to do this for a really long time. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I, you know, got into it. It was just like, I've, I've, I was interested in for a long time, but was kind of told not to play those things. But then when I you know became an adult, I, I started doing it. And yeah, I mean, I, I think the first time I played a role-playing game, I was working for a youth organization with teenagers right after I graduated college. And um, I was hosting like a game night for for kids um, once a week. And we just kind of played like Risk and stuff. That's what they, they, they really liked Risk. Like teenagers, they just wanted to play Risk every Friday night. And that's all they wanted to play every time. <laughs> um, but they were also interested in D&D. So I yeah. ran like uh, an Eberron, one of the published Eberron adventures from, from the 3.5 campaign setting. And that was Very the first cool. time I ever played a role-playing game. And that was really fun. And then I... Um, kind of discovered this was like 2008 2007 and that's kind of when I discovered uh like indie role-playing games and there was a lot of kind of an explosion of design and publishing at that time in that world and so discovered yeah. lots I think the next game I played after D&D was uh Dogs in the Vineyard if you ever heard of that it's kind of like uh your your um young faithful people going into towns and trying to solve their problems with you know only a bible and a gun to help you um so it's kind of a, a game about drama uh and huh. yeah anyway i don't even go through every game i played but that was kind of you know it was like D, &D then dogs in the vineyard those were like my first two games um and then i just kind of got involved in local community here in portland um running weekly games weekly like indie rpg stuff and was just playing a lot of that stuff at the time and I discovered War Machine somewhere in there. Um, I think I actually bought a battle box of War Machine uh, in like somewhere in 2009 or something and partially painted it up but never played because I didn't know anyone who played. And 
um, I like lived with my parents at the time and didn't really have much of a community. So um, kind of put that aside, but then later on uh, discovered 40K and I played, I tried to play that and couldn't really get into it at the time. I think this was fifth edition. Um, I like, I remember, I think for me, it was like the building and painting was a, a really big hurdle. I painted a space Marine like 10 times and I painted it and then stripped it and painted it and stripped it and painted it wow. and stripped it because I like wanted to get it perfect. So that's maybe a little, that was my own kind of issue at the time, I guess, but I had a hard time getting into it because of that. Well, that's and, funny yeah. knowing you now that that would, that, that would be one of the obstacles because I, I think you're a great painter. Thank you. Um, yeah, and I've tried to like lessen the perfectionism of it. You know, it's like I want I want yeah. models on the table, but I also want them to look like I want them to look like. So there's always a tension between <laughs> between that, like get them done, but make them look like I want them to look yeah. like. Um, yeah, and then I discovered Malifaux, and I played Malifaux for for a good while actually, and really enjoyed that. That was in their first edition, um, and then like 2014, 2015, I got into War Machine and. The local community in Portland is a really good, really good group of people and played that pretty hardcore for like a year um, and never really got good at it because <laughs> War Machine's hard, but um, I really enjoyed it. And yeah. yeah, I think I went to 2015 lock and load and kind of shortly after that is when I stopped playing. Um, I think I was just a little burnt out. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, and then since I've just kind of gone dipped in and out of, of playing games, mostly focused on, you know, I've always been playing role-playing games consistently, but the war game stuff has kind of dipped in and out. Um, but then when the pandemic hit, I kind of, I discovered Spellstorm Discord and the local community of people out here. I moved just before the pandemic, moved to the west side of Portland um, where there's a good group of people and a good game store room and board. And yeah, that's kind of when I feel like, okay, I'm really like a miniature wargaming hobbyist. Like I do this, you know, kind of consistently now. Um, yeah. since then and you know i've only really started playing again in the last little bit last few months um, because of pandemic stuff but i've been engaged in painting and buying of course <laughs> since then so <laughs> yeah i don't know that's kind of my history in a nutshell i guess nice yeah so yeah and my understanding from because a lot of the conversations that we've had is you have um a, you know a pretty extensive role-playing history mm -hmm. and a lot of experience with those games and um and you wrote one yep that's right yeah so yeah. In, in the like early 2010s um do, is, do we have a word for that the, the tens is that what we call that we call them the aughts the aughts no okay. no the aughts are the the the, the zeros yeah, yeah those the, aughts. the tens yeah, the i guess tens? the teens yeah yeah, yeah. Somewhere in there, when I was um, doing lots of local, like running stuff, like we, we had a, a game night at Guardian Games every week running stuff, um, there was a big, it probably still is, but I'm just not engaged in it as much anymore, but a big kind of design community, like, you know, it was kind of a very DIY kind of thing, like kind of like the OSR is now, you know, people just... yeah like we're all playing these games everyone's making a game you just assume like whoever you're talking to is like making something right and like play testing each other's stuff um so yeah i was pretty involved in that and, it, and just kind of throwing ideas around i had a lot of a lot of things i worked on but i ended up making a very strange game i'm pretty proud of it but it's also just like it's really strange like it's it's the kind of game that i wouldn't expect anyone to want to play but when i've played it it's been enjoyable and it does what i wanted to do so it's just a um it's a role play. It's kind of a, 
biographical role-playing game if you can call it that you know it's 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 uh called kim and marshall and it's about the relationship between eminem and his wife as he like talks about in his songs when i was a teenager i used to listen to a lot of eminem um you know and if you ever listen to that stuff it's like the relationship stuff is really fraught and screwed up (laughs) so i was interested in exploring those kind of relationship dynamics and i thought it was catchy and interesting to use like celebrity stuff around that um Kind yeah. of, yeah. So it's a game about abusive relationships, <laughs> really. Um, yeah, which is you know interesting, but again, not everyone wants to play it, um, yeah. and I don't really even want to play that kind of thing all the time. But it was, uh, yeah, I'm proud of it, and it's interesting little experiment. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think having that knowledge, having that, the fact that you've made a game, that one that you made a game, kudos, right? Um, but then two, that you sort of almost created your own subgenre of RPG, right? <laughs> and and um, and it's a game that uh, is is definitely uh, far from what we would consider mainstream. Yeah. yeah. So uh, having having that just on on the shelf, like on the table right now for our conversation, I think is actually quite crucial. Um, because, and maybe this is a good time to pivot to maybe our main topic, but mm-hmm. um, but we've we've thrown this word around a couple of times, and and we and we we leave a lot of um, assumptions um, just by using the word without ever actually defining the word, and and so our listeners may or like when we say the word game, mm-hmm. they might have a picture. Of what a game is in their mind and and we might be and we might have a different picture of what a game is in our mind as well and so so to have a conversation where dungeons and dragons is called a game and kim and marshall is called a game and war machine is called a game mm-hmm. like we're we need to talk about what a game is <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, what what do these things have in common? Yeah. <laughs> so so maybe that's a good pivot point for us, a transition for us um, as we as we dive into the into the topic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, we're talking about you know we wanted to go over. Um, I mean, I guess the lens we're talking about this topic on is through the book A Theory of Fun for Gate and Design. Yeah. Um, by Raf Koster, uh, which and, is one of my favorite books I've ever read, and I reread on the regular. So yeah, and I had read it before, but it been it's been maybe a it's been a long time, maybe a decade since I read it. So it was good to yeah. to reread it. Um, yeah, should we just dive in? I guess I mean we we you know yeah. he he's kind of he starts the book. I mean I guess we want to talk about kind of the first three chapters today, right? Yeah kind of um, talking about, I guess, what games are. He gets into lots of stuff in the book, but the first kind of few sections are about how do we even approach this topic of what games are, like Jeremiah was saying. Um, And he kind of begins by talking about his family and, you know, the things that his family does. They're teachers, they're architects, they're carpenters, and his grandfather is like, so you make games? Like, how does this help the world, you know? and so he kind of is exploring this question of, of what use games are, 
And, and yeah. then that kind of leads them into like exploring the question of, okay, well, what are games, right? Before I can know what use games are, I have to know what games are. So that's kind of what kicks off the book. Um, yeah, I don't know how that yeah. hits you or how, what you think about that. Yeah, um, I thought it was um, a great way, I think, to wade into the water. And, um, and you and I um, took a different path to get to where we are in terms of games, like, you know, and, and I remember, like, I was one of those high school kids that loved risk, right? Mm -hmm. like, I would have been, I probably would have been in, in, in your youth if I was of the appropriate age, right? Yeah, yeah. But I still remember my very first chess lesson, you know, and, you know, and, and, and all these different kinds of games um, that are out there. And, and uh, one of the things that he identifies early on in his in his explanation is is that he says that games are more than a diversion mm -hmm. like and, and a lot of people you will use games to escape um mm -hmm. you know i think um we talk about games a lot on our discord server and one of the hot topics is video games mm -hmm. and the role that they play in people's lives there are a lot of people who play video games. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. And and to be able to get off work, come home and log on and just kind of just escape right there, you know? Mm -hmm. um, one of my wife's favorite movies is Ready Player One. And we watched it a couple times over the summer. And and it kind of it kind of dives into that question a little bit too about the role of, of games, especially video games and stuff. Um, and so, but, but what, what Raf Koster says is that they're actually more than a diversion mm -hmm. that, that they, they can serve that function, but, but there's so much more than that. And, and so his, I think his very simple, um, kind of introductory definition of games, uh, comes real early on too. He's in, in the intro, he says they connect people and they teach people. And as a, you know, as a teacher, as a parent, I've seen games being used as teaching tools and I've seen games being used, uh, you know, to connect people. And, and I think that's always been one of my favorite working definitions for games. So to me, I feel like as he continues the discussion in the book, it all is going to come back to that central idea. Mm -hmm. Um, that that's my my understanding and my reading of, of it anyway but he definitely talks a lot about different things so yeah yeah i like that grounding and the connection the connection between people for games i mean like one of the things he talks about kind of getting back to you were mentioning you know being a teacher and being a parent yeah. um and like one of the things he talks about early on in the first chapter called why write this book is you know that him and his wife read a lot of books and they have books all all over the place and this kid's like you know like books just fine but they love games right like they will yes. just glom onto them almost instinctively it seems like and that's kind of one of the things he he talks about is that playing games is something that kids just seem to do instinctively um it kind of reminds me of i can't i can't reference this or cite this because it, it's been years since i listened to it but um, Luke Crane and Jared Sorensen are, are role-playing game designers. 
And there was an interview um, with them on, you know, some podcast lost to the mists of time, but I, I distinctly remember this part um, where they were talking about play and games and about how adults play, you know, because we want to, mm -hmm. but kids play because they have to, like they have to play to learn, right? Like you see this in like young animals too, right? Like the way dogs play fight to learn mm -hmm. sort of the social boundaries around fighting and interacting and like kids are playing all the time because they have to play to kind of learn what it means to be a person and how to interact socially, make those connections. Um, so I don't know where I'm going with that, but that's, I mean, Coster kind of starts with that in the first chapter. And I think that's a really integral, yeah. integral kind of grounding idea and how he talks about it. Cause he gets kind of more into brain science too, <laughs> but he starts with, with kids playing. Ooh. Yeah. I love the brain science chapter and it constantly causes me to reflect on my own patterns of of like how i live and like and where i'm getting you know positive feedback and negative feedback loops <laughs> like, mm -hmm. yeah 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 i don't know if i want to quite go to the brain yet yeah um, there's a because one of the things that he talks about um real early on too is uh is the game tic-tac-toe hmm. and and i loved his conversation around it and and i want to maybe use um tic-tac-toe to launch into 40k for a second yeah let's um, do it. yeah but he he tells the story about um you know uh how he, how he would play tic-tac-toe with his kids and how they would he would just beat him all the time but they would want to keep playing you know, and and apparently there's, you know, a finite number of possible solutions for the game of tic-tac-toe. I think something around 8,000, but I don't I don't remember exactly. And um, and and then and then eventually what ends up happening is uh, as they grew up, they did. They saw the pattern in the game. And then once they figure out how to get that pattern, then every game turned into a cat's game after that. Mm -hmm. And then eventually after a bunch of cat's games where there was no clear winner and no clear loser, the game became boring and the kids quote unquote outgrew the game, mm -hmm. you know? And so as I was, as I was rereading that part, I was thinking about, well, a war machine experience. And I was thinking about a 40 K experience. And, and since those are the, you know, kind of the two touch points for, for our podcast a lot, I, I want to go back to those points a lot, but, um, um, uh, but in couched in this conversation around tic-tac-toe, he makes the comment where we do many things that we don't, when, when we don't even fully understand them. And so, uh, and so a kid, you know, as they as they play tic-tac-toe you know against the, the parent parent knows the pattern parent can can either win or get to a cat's game intentionally right mm -hmm. but when you pair two kids together who are kind of learning the game and they don't really know what's going on um they might accidentally win or they might accidentally cat's game cat's cat's game and and neither neither result was an intentional result right mm -hmm. um because they were both kind of exploring until until eventually then they see the pattern and then you know or at least one of them sees the pattern then then we can predict the ending but but with um 
with uh, some games, and I'm thinking about like War Machine on this example, you know, there's a lot of complex rules and there's also a lot of complex order of operations. And so as we're, as we're playing the game and as we're activating our models, uh, there are some units that are designed to activate first to get a desired result. And if we activate them second or third or fourth, we're not going to get that desired result, right? And, and a lot of times we don't know that until we put, put the models on the table and we play over and over and over again. And then we see the pattern, mm-hmm. right? And so, um, but we just do things and we make decisions and we don't really fully understand. We're like, well, I think this guy goes first. And it's like those kids trying to sort out how to play, you know, tic tac toe. But um, <laughs> but he but he makes this other comment too, and I I would like you to respond to that section too. Um, but I want to get to my second one and then and then ask you to respond a little bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but he makes this comment. He says. Uh, repeated failure is a predictable cycle and rather boring. Once again, going back to the kids playing tic-tac-toe against them. But you and I both uh, have a War Machine, extensive War Machine history. It's a hard game. Mm-hmm. And and it's repeated failure over and over and over again until you get that first victory. You know, it's like, it's hard. And... Um, and I would say 40K 7th edition was like that. Hmm. When when I first started getting into 40K, it was it was 7th edition. And I could not understand it for the life of me. It was so hard to get into. And every game just felt so confusing. There's too much going on. And now that I'm playing 9th edition, I'm like, oh, this game is great. <laughs> like something happened, you know, <laughs> in the intervening editions. And... And with War Machine, um, you know, that repeated, you know, failure cycle uh, rears its head a lot. And it and it reared its head with the meta shift. And mm-hmm. whenever there's a new CID or whatever, you know, you might have a period of success and then it'll shift and then you'll have a period of failure. Very few people can ride the wave constantly. On yeah, that. yeah. So, but, but uh, it's funny how, how Raph was talking about tic-tac-toe but i was thinking about war machine and i was thinking about 40k as he was talking about it. yeah yeah that's a that's a really good point like i mean he the way he says um you know that one of the ways one of the reasons we stop playing games is when they become too predictable and that's yeah either they either they're too hard or they're too easy so like one or the other right we've solved tic-tac-toe and it's boring or like i just keep beating my head against the same problem and it's a little over my head and it's boring and so i stopped playing so i think yeah those those are kind of the two failure states that yeah um, yeah and i think the war machine example is really salient because you know i think it can go either way right if you're really kind of in the meta war machine or you know any any kind of competitive game where the rules change sometimes and you have to solve new problems right because i think that's the idea of changing the rules around or when 40k you know releases a new codex or like updates the points it's kind of like for the people who are really into it okay this is something new to solve it keeps me engaged and fresh maybe for the people who are not as into it it's like this is overwhelming it's too much i'm bored you know so it's kind of like trying to serve different needs from different people there well and i think that's one of the reasons why uh, uh games workshop had that question in their annual survey last month 
was how often do you want rules updates? Mm-hmm. And and you could see the people that were really into the game wanted more frequent rules updates. And the people who played a little more casually, like say, wanted less frequent rules updates. And and I think that's the point that you just made speaks to that exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to serve serve both audiences. Yeah. Um, but I guess that's getting into a bit of a different topic. But yeah, it's very, I mean, it kind of shows in this book how deep the, t- the, the concepts go, because I don't think we've said it, but, you know, every page, in, in the, you open up the book and the left page is text and the right page is a cartoon that he's drawn. So like every spread of pages is a cartoon and text and it reads really quickly. You could just like kind of breeze through this book if you mm-hmm. want to without thinking too much, but you can pause and really kind of dig deep into, into the concepts here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so, so far we've talked about games, how they connect people, which we really haven't talked about that, but that was one of the working definitions, mm-hmm. how they teach people, right? And one of the ways that they teach people is that they present different problems to solve, which I'm really glad that you brought that up because that's, I love solving problems. And and I and I love and I love it when there are new ones that we get to encounter, and, mm-hmm. you know. And games give us that that safe parameter. Like in real life, we're constantly solving problems, mm-hmm. you know, uh, managing work, life, and family, et cetera, et cetera. There there are an, an, any number of problems that can arise in in real life, um, but but there's no safe confines with which to solve those problems. Yeah, and that's where games gives us safe spaces to be able to to do that. Um, he talks about pattern recognition and how our brains are ingrained to to look at patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes this comment, uh, kind of as a precursor to getting to that point. He says, "You know, I think I've seen." Uh, he, he, yeah, it's, I, it's this random quote that I took, and, I, and it might have been from one of the comic pages that actually but you know i think i've seen most everything that this game has to offer um and and very few of us ever actually get to that point where we get to see everything that a game has to offer because mm-hmm. um because there is any number of possible outcomes i was thinking about one of the board games that my family and i've played a lot is seven wonders and if we played the base game seven wonders just the base game as much as we have played seven wonders I could probably agree and feel the same way about that sentiment. Um, and I think that's why a lot of board game manufacturers will produce, you know, expansions because mm-hmm. the expansions allow you to play the game and gives you new problems in which to solve while you're playing the new game. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that attracts me to like miniature war games and role-playing games is that it, they're by, by nature expandable, you know, that, yeah. that there's, it's constantly, it's living, I guess, you know, to use one term. Uh, yeah. that there's constantly new things to do and even if i don't ever kind of reach the limit of what i can know um it's that idea that i never can is is kind of exciting you know um, yeah like i think coster coster comes from a video game background he's not just talking about video games in the book but that's clearly one of his yeah. strong kind of lenses so i think that makes a lot of sense you know in a lot of video games there does come a point where you kind of have seen it all you know, maybe not in online games, but, you know, a lot of like one player games or whatever. But I think one of the really cool things that tabletop games do is that um, 
you know, unless you've seen the mind of your opponent or your co-players, you know, you can't really see it all. And that's kind of where the cooperative part of it comes in, the connecting people, right? That were one of the things, this is maybe a little tangent, but it's it's just short. Um, A friend of mine said once that has always really stuck with me um, was that even in competitive games, like, or no, let me let me restart. Competitive games are cooperative, right? We're cooperating on creating an experience. Like, I we're trying to kind of test how good we are at this thing, and I can't test how good I am at this thing unless you're doing your best to beat me. So, like, we're right. really cooperating on an experience. Um, you know, maybe not if there's a million dollars on the line, <laughs> that might not be the most cooperative experience. But in the nature of kind of the the game, you know, that that's what we're doing here. We're not really trying to just crush and go home and. Um, you know, we're really trying to create an experience together. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, he he brings up a little bit of game theory um, related a little bit to what you just were talking about in terms of uh, competitive games. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about, uh, he says, game theory is how competitors make optimal choices. Mm-hmm. And so if your opponent is making optimal choices, the challenge for you uh, to make a uh, to make the game as as fun for your your opponent then is to then also make optimal choices. Yep. You know, and so and that's why we and that goes back to the whole connecting with people thing. Right. That's why a lot of times there's this like, like when we get together, when you like form an RPG group, you talk about sort of the direction and the expectations of the members of the group you know when you meet your buddy at the game store to play a game you're like hey i want to play this kind of game you determine the point values and you agree on the mission and you do all that pre-work so that when you're in the game you know you're you both are are, are matching you know mm-hmm. the output or whatever so the outcome would be different but you're matching outputs so yeah we're, we're collaborating on the experience we have to be on the same page yeah. to do that yeah i like that collaborating on the experience hmm. <laughs> okay so here's the deal as we're as we're having this conversation um i'm thinking about uh so many more examples and all these things that i want to talk about <laughs> mm-hmm. and and i feel like we're just barely scratching the surface a little bit yeah you know, um, and um, and so uh, why don't we why don't we maybe give um, a roadmap to our listeners about where we want to go with with this with this conversation, and then um, and then um, and then we can we can actually continue the conversation in a future episode as well because um, that's that's the goal here is to have a, a series of conversations about what games are um, but more specifically I think what we want to do is um, talk more about what games are talk about kind of what games teach us and then and then even talk about lastly what games aren't um, because I think some of us might have, a different set of expectations on on games and, and we might not know that our expectations are uh, are unrealistic or don't match a community or et cetera et cetera mm-hmm. so and and of course we're using um raf coster as our primer um 
it's a great it's a great book i'm gonna put the link in the show notes for our listeners <laughs> because i want i want everyone to read the book i i had the original version and and i read it a bunch of times and then and then i didn't read it for a couple of years and then i got the the 10th anniversary uh a book which is has updated uh uh statistics and um and references and it uh uh and i've read it a couple times now too you can see where you know where the pages are have been have been worn so because of my use but anyway so uh, so that's sort of the roadmap um i'm conscious of today's of the time of our conversation today mm-hmm. um uh, because that's one of the things we didn't talk about ahead of time was how long we had to record um and and i'm wondering if maybe we can do this conversation as a two-parter of what games are how do you feel about that that sounds great yeah i think it's kind of uh yeah i feel the same way that it's there's a lot to dig into and we yeah. want to get through it but also don't want to just rush through it right right so um uh and so the thing that i want our listeners to know is that games matter they do they really do and that they're more than just a diversion and um and if you can hang on to those things as when, until we continue our second parter of the conversation i think that'd be great so let's transition a little bit um towards the end because i really want to hear about what you have on your hobby desk and and I want to do something that's sort of New Year's related, maybe, uh, for myself. Just kind of talk about um, upcoming projects that I would like to work on, mm-hmm. and then see how well I do this year <laughs> on them. Because by saying them out loud, um, I now have evidence of my plan. <laughs> by recording them and putting it out, even. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but before we get to the actual uh, hobby desk, uh, we we have a uh, we have confession time. Uh, so, what purchases have you made recently? Um, it could be a Kickstarter, it could be um, just a regular purchase, and and what what plans do you have for them? Oh yes, okay. So my I've been trying to be more conservative with my hobby purchases because I don't like gray plastic sitting around waiting to get painted. Um, That's supposed to feel oppressive. So I try not to overbuy. Like when I, like getting into orcs in 40K, I bought a couple boxes. Well, I maybe overbought a little at the beginning, but you know, I wasn't buying 2000 points. It was like, I'm gonna buy this stuff and then paint this and then I'll get more. Um, But then I started looking at killed the new kill team and some people, (laughs) some local folks were talking about it and excited about giving it a try. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll look it up. I knew it had, had come out, but I didn't, hadn't really read any reviews or looked at it because I just didn't want to, you know, uh, get into another thing. But then people are talking about it, people I'm interested in playing games with, and okay, I'll like look up a review or whatever. So anyway, long story short, I'm pretty excited about the new Kill Team, and I bought the uh, Octarius box set, the like, starter set, basically. Nice. Um, so I got that, and then I've also been kind of, I have some... For my orcs, I have some conversion projects in mind. So I've been kind of eBay hunting 
on some old like random models, Gretchen models and stuff. Um, want to want to experiment with doing some kit bashing. So I've just been like picking up little little things here and there to kind of do some kit bashing with. So um, cool. yeah, those are kind of my two main more recent purchases. Nice. What about you? Um, well, like before Thanksgiving, I had ordered um, five points of Saracens for the Age of Crusade uh, for Saga. Mm -hmm. And they finally arrived. Um, so I have those, and the plan is to assemble them and, and play them. Um, there's a there's an event coming up that I may go to, and uh, and it's it's in the Age of Crusade for Saga, and and the, it's sort of a new um, era for a lot of the Saga players locally. Like a lot of them have uh, Age of Viking stuff, um, and so this particular event there's no painting requirement and, and it's just to get people to put a new era of models on the table and and if they're painted bonus but so um so i got that um in the meantime when we were christmas shopping i had found um basically a complete macedonian army um for age of hannibal and um their pre-assembled plat their uh what are they they are oh airfix if you know that brand of models no um so this is like actual like models like cars and airplanes that people mm -hmm. assemble so they so they make um a historical line that is scale one uh, 72nd, which is roughly 15 mil. Okay. Or somewhere between 12 and 15 mil or between 12 and 18 mil. I, I don't know, somewhere in that range. And, uh, and so with Saga, it doesn't really matter the scale of your army, as long as the base size is accurate. And so my plan is, is to use this Macedonian army for, uh, for that. And and because they're air airfix, what did I say airfix? Is that what I said? Yeah, airfix. That's probably right. Um, there's no assembly required. They're they're incredibly soft plastic, so I just have to get the appropriate base size and then and then get them up. And um, and I have a very simple paint scheme that I'm thinking about doing for them. So so I, I accidentally bought a second army for a different era of saga. <laughs> is what I'm telling you. <laughs> I didn't have to spend, but it, it was like $24. Yeah. A full army for $24. Yeah, it's hard to pass up. It's hard to pass up. So and then and then uh right before Christmas, uh I was given a uh Kings of War halfling army box uh that was not that was incomplete. So there were some someone had, had got this box, and they took out the models that they wanted. And then, and then they were just going to give the, the rest of it away. And so, um, so now I have some halflings. Is Kings of War, that's a Mantic game, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They, and it's not, and it's rank and flank, um, but it's different than most rank and flanks in the sense that, um, like when I was playing Song of Ice and Fire, when my unit took a wound, I took a dude off the tray. 
mm-hmm. right? Well, with Kings of War, you don't take a dude off the tray. And so what a lot of them will do is they'll do, like for a full regiment, they'll do it like a, like, like a three, 3D diorama on every tray. <laughs> and so and so, the, and so the armies look incredible and and you don't have to have like um uh I, I don't know like 24 guys on a regiment or whatever it is you you i don't actually remember i'm throwing an arbitrary number out there you just have to have half plus one so that means you can spread them out and you can and you can throw layers on and and add trees oh, <laughs> like yeah. like depending on, I mean, depending on your army and stuff. So, uh, yeah, yeah. so anyway, so there's that. Yeah. But I, outside of that, um, I, I don't think I've made any recent purchases. I'm kind of saving up because I know a bunch of Eldar stuff's going to drop. And so I need to, yeah. I need to be patient with that. So, yeah, but that'll be a fun time when that stuff comes out. Yeah, it will be, it will be. So, um, all right, so hobby desk. Uh, so what what is on your hobby desk right now? What are you building? What are you painting? So my goal has been I have twenty five that twenty five power level of orcs that we talked about me playing uh, yeah. a few times and with you. So my goal is to paint that up before I like assemble anything else. So I've been doing that. Um, I have three defcopters on my desk. I was hoping my goal for December was to finish those before the end of the month. Did not quite happen because. I took about four or five days out to assemble um, my commandos from the kill team box set that I got because I thought I was going to play last week, but it didn't end up didn't end up happening. So I was like, you know, feverishly assembling and, and cleaning and stuff. So that took a few, knocked a few days off painting my defcoptus. So I'm hoping in the next few days here I can finish them. They're pretty close. Um, so that's kind of what's on my desk right now. But I have to decide after I finish those whether I'm going to keep painting my 40k list or whether I'm going to try to paint those kill team commandos which are actually actually in my 40k list also so maybe i should just do that and kill two birds with one stone yeah okay there you go yeah yeah so for me um because the the hobbits were given to me i have that sense of obligation that Mm -hmm. i should probably um figure those out um i actually don't have the diorama bases there's a third-party company that makes base sizes perfect for you know for the regiment or whatever and so mm-hmm. what i need to do is just sit down and see what i have and see what i need to order um so that i can do that um i'm gonna slap those macedonians on the bases real quick at some point um i, I need to do that but it, regarding my eldar painting project i just um my i want 50 points painted and you and I had started a crusade at the 25 power level. It's really hard to play what I want to play at 25 power level because what mm-hmm. I ha- what I paint what I have painted for Eldar were our elites and at the 25 power level you can only have a patrol detachment and to run more elites I need like a I think it's called a vanguard detachment. You can do that at 50 power level. And so that's so actually I'm, I'm going to redo my crusade roster uh to to include models that i've painted and then more models that i've painted anyway and then and then and then round it out and then so then paint those to round out uh to make the the full 50. so 
Um, so I'm actually going to do that first, probably, because I'm I'm probably going to be playing 40k a lot more um, than the other games. Uh, the other games, I'm, there's a small his- group of get together like once a month or whatever uh, for Saga and stuff, and Kings of War is like once a month. So uh, that's sort of where I'm at with those historical games. So uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, first episode of the year, right? One of the things I don't do so good is the planning. And I realized that if I planned better, I would I would be able to see where I'm at with each project. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I've already started making a list of things that I want to work on. And then, and then like, and have like, and there's a description next to each one of what it is that I want to do so that I kind of, I don't forget, you know what I mean? So, uh, so that's sort of my goal for this year. And, um, I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to listening to this episode a year from now <laughs> to see how well I did. Yeah. So. That's a great, like, do you, so I think I'm going to steal that idea from you. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of, I, I kind of do a month by month or lately I've been doing a month by month thing. Like here's what I want to get done this month. But yeah. I like the idea of making a little spreadsheet maybe and, and having yeah. goals a yeah. little longer term out. But do you, you know, delineate it by time? Like on oh, the next two months, I want this to get done. Or is it just kind of like, here's my list of priorities? See, I haven't done the time thing. Um, I too, I have two spreadsheets um, where I have basically my inventory for, for War Machine, inventory for, for 40K and then the status of each unit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't really, what I discovered is that doesn't really help me in terms of like project priorities. And and like, and I'll think, oh, I, I want to paint this, you know, this hero or whatever. But then, you know, time goes by or it's not on, you know, it's, I, I think about it during the day when I'm at work and I'm not at home, I can't you know, write it down or whatever. And so what I did was, identified each project and and i'm looking at my versus game instead of labeling things by game and instead of labeling things by army i'm starting to label things by project and so i'm putting these together this is a project mm-hmm. and then and then i'm just describing what i want to do with a project and then i'm just putting it in priority order so the goal would be to I can, you know, to finish the first thing and cross it off the list. Second thing, you know, I mean, that's, I like making lists. And so, and that's when I I feel great success when I do that. And um, so I don't know. No, but no, I haven't put a time thing associated with it. I bet that'd be really helpful. Like get this project done by January 31st or whatever. Yeah. I find it helpful even just to, um, Cause I don't always know, you know, what I can get done in a certain amount of time. I'm like, okay, I want to get, you know, these dev cup is done this month. Like maybe that's reasonable. Maybe that's not, but it helps me push myself or then I know what's reasonable, you know, like maybe yeah. I finished them early or maybe it took me an extra two weeks. And now I kind of know for next time yeah. and set my expectations more reasonably before I buy that next giant box of gray plastic. Oh, you got to <laughs> stop talking about that. Well, I can't, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I, I, keep wanting, I keep wanting to get faster at painting and then I keep trying more like, 
yeah slow techniques <laughs> like i just need to paint an army with contrast and be done with it yeah well i was talking with uh, ian today and he did a unit of kill team guys that were uh Slaneshi space marines mm -hmm. and so he um primed them all in uh whatever the silver is i think it's lead belcher and then he doused them all with nolan oil and then he did a dry brush of another silver not lead belcher another mm -hmm. silver like maybe gunmetal smith or gunsmith metal mm -hmm. or whatever i don't know all the gw colors and then um and then in the armor panels he did the voluptuous pink contrast paint and then he did certain details on like the weapons and face and stuff yeah but i was looking at those armor panels and it, it completely tricked me hmm. because um because it looked it the the shade and the detail and the depth was coming from behind the color instead of on top of the color mm -hmm. and that's what confused me and i was like wow you got all that definition and all that value before he even put on color mm -hmm. and then he added the color and it looks so good if it's, if it's in the case if you go into the warhammer store okay i i was so impressed with these i was like wow that's really easy and it, and it looked clean because yeah. you know all the, all the trim was the same silver yeah because he didn't even have to touch the trim at that point mm -hmm. the way that's that he cool. did it it was like opposite it was sort of talk about order of operations mm -hmm. it was opposite of how I have painted his favorite face marine before, you know. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, that's really cool. Yeah, it's always good to see those new things, especially in person. I um, seeing models in person really, really helps to kind of yeah. see how people did techniques and stuff. Yeah, um, totally, totally. Well, I'm gonna put uh, do a little plug here. Um, we have. Um, for the new year so we just finished ours uh our secret santa thing during the holidays uh mm. that was great that was our first time that our community did that and i drove around um a lot playing the part of santa's elf and uh, i realized like after after setting this up that i didn't get to participate because i oh. knew i knew everyone's secret santa that's and terrible so, you know what i mean i was like how do you do this anonymously where i don't know who's giving me my the gift and i'm like i don't think i can so then i just played the part of elf and and uh but then didn't you drive around for like six hours one day one night i did i i left my house i left work a little after four and i didn't get home till about uh about 10 15 and almost 10 30. um and i basically was on the car the whole time making stops picking picking things up and dropping things off um and that was just one day i did deliveries on other days too so um i well, get you were the spirit of christmas this year i'll say that <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah it was great i got some audiobooks in like some podcasts in like i'm not complaining um it was great um but i, I do want to do a shout out to tyler though um because uh because it was his idea to do it and then and then when i dropped off at his house and picked up or whatever I was doing, um, he had something for me, oh. and and he gave me a nice bottle of whiskey, and 
I think it's with scotch. And, um, and, and I was like, wow, that's a very nice gift. And yeah, so, very nice. yeah, very nice. So I, uh, did not expect anything and I got something lovely and not model related. Um, but it could be because <laughs> <laughs> I like to drink when I paint and stuff. Yeah. So. Have a little, have a little sniff and, and paint some models. There it is. So um, I want to just just once again, just do um, just a reminder for everyone, you know, um, every Thursday on our Discord server, we've got a paint party. I personally got a little kind of relaxed during the holidays. I kept coming home late on Thursdays and wasn't making it and then dinner and, and I would log on late. And anyway, the worst part is, is I didn't get much hobbying done and, I, and you, and you, you know, and I look forward to that time because it's guaranteed time for me that, you know, that I would get something done. So, um, so my goal is, uh, to make it more of a priority and then, uh, get home a little bit earlier to make that happen. And, and I hope that more of our listeners can join us. It's 8 PM Pacific standard time on our discord server. We also have a monthly book club. Uh, this month we are reading Starship Starship Troopers. Uh, for some of us, it's a reread. For some of us, it's a first read, and I'm looking forward to that. It turns out that there are tons of lore videos on the YouTube's, and uh, there's a lot of people who are interested in this story, this book, uh, because I think it lays a, a, a big foundation for a lot of the board gaming that we do, and some of the universes that we play in. And so it definitely is. It's one of those influential books. Uh, Robert Heinlein, I believe, is the author. And so if you want to join us, uh, pick up a copy of the book, find an audio version of it, however you want to consume it. And then the last Sunday of the month, we meet on our Discord channel. We have a dedicated voice channel for uh, the book club, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, Hans is one of our moderators. He does a great job of facilitating conversation. And anything you want to say about that before we finish the outro? I'm just looking forward to it. Yeah, I've, I've read uh, Starship Troopers before, but it's been a while. And yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in there and a lot of a lot of gaming stuff in there for sure. So it'll be a good discussion. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And then last but not least, you can find us at SpellStormMiniatures.com. There you can find all the links to our affiliates. We have a couple, one with the Death Ray Designs and one with Noble Knight Games. And if you make a purchase through them, that helps us. It helps supports us. Uh, but we also have the Patreon and the Kofi and other ways to do that as well. Um, but the best thing you can do is to tell your friends about us. Tell your friends about the community um, on, that we're building on the Discord server. And, and uh, leave positive reviews on whatever podcast app catcher thing you're using to listen to us. And, uh, and hopefully more people will find us. Uh, with that, I just want to wish you all a very happy new year. I'm looking forward to more hobbies and more gaming. Thanks.
button up there.